Good morning, my friends. This is Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. Let's take our Bibles and go today to 1 Samuel chapter 22, and let's start in verse 1. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that in your word we find instructions for living. So, Father, out of the life of David, out of your word, let us discover the truths that will encourage us and keep us off the slippery slope of discouragement. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Now, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. Well, you know, there was a fallout uh, between Saul and David. Saul is king. He's very jealous, he's very insecure, and he's very undeveloped. And he sees somebody that is anointed, uh, that has a calling, has a gifting, and so he actually is out now to kill, not just that anointing on David. He's, he's already tried to kill David several times, and he's really out to get him now. So David has had to flee, and he's on the run. And this is going to be an on-the-run experience that's actually lawful, but he's on the run, and he's going to be going through this for quite some time. He's going to wish it would end, but as we know, it does not end overnight, and it appears to go on for several years, and we want to talk about that today. Uh, notice it says that when he went to the cave of Dulam, uh, that his brothers and all his father's house heard it. They also went down to, uh, to where David was at. When when Saul decided to kill David and made an all-out attempt to capture him, no matter where this guy goes, we're going to find him, we're going to hunt him down, track him down, and we're going to kill him. Well, you know, that, that was not good for his family. So his brothers realized, hey, you know, if Saul's going to kill our brother, he's going to try to also kill us because this is not a good situation. So the brothers are wise enough to know we better go catch up with David because just being his brother, just being associated with him as a family member has already made us on the most wanted list. And also it says in verse 3, Then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. So this was also a situation where David realized not only is his life in danger from Saul, a very jealous, tyrannical leader, but his, his whole family now is in jeopardy because of him. So he has to take his father and mother uh, to the area of Moab, uh, you know, which is outside of the territory of Israel, Moab normally being an enemy of the nation of Israel because it was a very uh, he heathenistic, uh, uh, you know, paganistic type uh, uh, tribe. But he's got to take care of his family. At least down there, they won't kill his mom and dad. So he has to make arrangements because he's on the run. And Saul was so cruel that if he could, he would have killed uh, David's father, Jesse, and even his mother. So very wise thinking on behalf of David to make sure that his family is out of the picture, out of the situation, and not in an area where Saul can get them. So his brothers decide, hey, we're just going to hang out with you. And his parents, uh, they have been also uh, taken out of the area. So 
the chase begins. Verse 6, when Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered, now Saul was staying at Gibeah under Tamisk tree in Ramah with the spear in his hand and all his servants standing about him, that Saul said to his servants who stood about him, Here now, you Benjamites. Uh, and then he goes into this great tirade of how he has been treated unjustly and nobody really stands up for him. And so there's a person who steps forth, Doeg the Edomite, uh, very unusual name there. And he says, you know, King, I'll, I'll, I'll help you out. And this guy's a total scoundrel. And he helps out King Saul. And uh, because of that, a lot of innocent blood was shed. Praise God. Glory to God. Hey, perhaps you're seeing the lightning flashing in my window in the background. A lot of rain coming into uh, the Charlotte area. And, uh, of course, we also have the hurricane rolling in in about two days. We'll get the effects of that with a whole lot more rain. We're not on the beach, so, uh, you know, five hours from the beach. So we're not going get, to uh, get hit like they are on the East Coast. But nevertheless, when these hurricanes hit North Carolina, we still feel them inland. Still get the wind sometimes 40, 50 miles an hour. So it's going to be an interesting experience. We know we're going to get a lot of rain over the next few days. Everything's going to get really, really green. Praise God. By the way, I know there's an element with hurricanes where there can be some destruction, buildings torn down and things like that. But, you know, the, the old timers, the islanders, going back generations and generations, they have always viewed hurricanes as God's cleansing system. A hurricane comes in and blows everything out. And you'll ever notice that after a big storm, how clean the sky is. I mean, after a major storm rolls through, uh, you know, and that's what's also interesting. You, know, you could have a storm, and then just a few days later, or sometimes even the next day, it's like, you know, whatever, you know, if we didn't have all this debris and damage, we wouldn't have even known something would have happened so dangerous. But they do cleanse. They do, uh, you know, blow a lot of things. It cleans all the trees, cleans everything, uh, cleans the oceans. Uh, and uh, it's very interesting. So we also know it's dangerous, so not a good time to go swimming or be hanging out at the beach, that's for sure. Praise God. Now, uh, that's what's going on in case you're seeing lightning in the background. So with David, he's on the run. Saul is really after him, and the crooked people, the rebellious people have decided to stick with Saul, but the kingdom of David the kingdom of the Lord is growing stronger, but it's still a very dangerous time to be hanging around with David. Uh, chapter 23, verse 1, Then they told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, and they are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. How about this? David is so nice. Uh, he's going to go save uh, the city of Keilah, and he's going to push the Philistines out who are, you know, taking the grain from the people and probably doing a lot of other abusive things as well. And he's going to go and uh, jump into uh, the battle and rescue these people. Verse 7, And Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah. So Saul said, God has delivered them uh, him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering the town that has gates and bars. So Saul thinks this is wonderful. He's going to help these people, but those people have a walled village, and when he goes in there, he's, he's like caught. We finally got him. He can't run away and sneak out the back end. There's a gate, or, there's a wall around the whole thing. So Saul thinks this is God helping him. So uh, long story short, uh, 
uh, you know, David starts to think, hey, I, I wonder if Saul is going to show up here, and I wonder if the people that I'm actually helping, I wonder if they're going to turn me in. So what David does is he calls uh, the priest to get some supernatural insight. Praise God. And so he said, uh, he said to uh, Abiathar the priest, bring the ephod here. Now the ephod would have the urim and the thummim on the shoulders, and those were two types of stones. And from our understanding, those stones would illuminate uh, either like, yes, like a yes or no. For us, it's like pulling up to a traffic light. You've got three colors, red, green, or yellow. We all know what they mean. It's an international symbol. Red means stop, green means go. And so sometimes uh, it would appear from what we see about the, the ephod that those stones would light up in a color that they could certainly understand would be a, a clear yes or no. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, now of course the Lord spoke to the ephod that the priest had. And the Lord said, he will come down. Then David said, Will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver you. Isn't that amazing? Here's David rescuing the whole city and you know, pushing back the Philistines. And what does he get in thanks? Well, betrayal. If he had stayed, he, he would have gotten betrayed. So he's getting crafty. He's getting smart. And he realizes, I've got to leave again. I don't know where I'm going to go. I've got these men with me. My group is growing. We're growing from 400 to 600 men. That doesn't count the ladies that are with him, uh, their wives. But, um, you know, this is like we've got we've to leave. So that was, that was just something that began to roll for a long period of time in David's life. And you can imagine what that must be like when you don't know where you're going to be sleeping at the next night. You don't know where you're going to lay your head. You don't know if you're going to have to wake up in the middle of the night because your, your watchmen have seen Saul's uh, you know, army advancing at night on you or something like that. So it was just constant uh, movement, constant living. Watch this, living literally day by day with a faith walk. Praise God. Is it something that you would ideally want to be in? No. But is it something that God could allow for development Yes, absolutely. There was a point in my time, a point in my time in my life, I never had any extra money. Uh, when my wife and I started off in the in traveling ministry, uh, it was really living. Uh, I can't say paycheck to paycheck because we didn't get a paycheck. It, we would just go minister in meetings, and if the offering was good, then we we had enough to clear for the week. Maybe a little bit beyond that, but if it wasn't good. It was down to a day-by-day -day walk. Was that something I would have preferred? Was that something that I would have, you know, said, oh, this is wonderful? No, it wasn't, but I couldn't shake it. I couldn't get rid of it. It was something I had to go through. The Lord was going to allow me to learn what the faith walk really, really is. And so we had to live by faith. Now, today we still do. I still live by faith, and this ministry is a faith-based ministry. Uh, all I can say today, though, is I've got some breathing room. It's not like Saul is chasing anymore. Eventually, David had, uh, had a situation where he got out of that. Basically, Saul died. And after Saul died, the kingdom came together very quickly for him as the sole leader, as the sole king over the whole nation. But before then, it was very rough going. 
And I can identify with that. When, you're, when you really are walking by faith, and uh, every day you're just wondering, I wonder how God is going to do it today. You're in faith, you believe He'll do it, but you don't know how He's going to do it. That can be very, very interesting. I think there are you know, Christians who say, I believe in God, I trust in God, but they have actually never had to live by faith. They have a job that gives them a check every two weeks. Everything is structured in their life in a way where they have never had to really trust the Lord to see God move in their life. So, you know, uh, that's something that we all need to identify. doesn't mean you need to go out in the desert and try to get somebody to chase you around. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that if you will walk with the Lord, there is this thing He takes you through. It doesn't mean you'll be there forever. It may seem like it, but eventually you'll get out. You'll have breathing room. You'll have the increase of God. But there's a time God allows you to just really feel the, the, those situations that they don't come to an end. You have to wake up the next morning, get up in faith again, and say, Lord, you're going to do it today somehow too. Praise God. That's the way it was for David. Uh, these times like this can be discouraging because you want it to end, but it, it's not going to end until the Lord brings you out. And He brings you out when the proper development has taken place in your life that He wants, because He wants to get you somewhere. And not only does He want to get you there, but He wants you to be able to stand there uh, very solid, very firm, very capable of being in that position. Praise the Lord. Well, the, it continues on, being chased and being chased. One time it got so close that Saul and his army were actually catching up with David. They even got to the point where they were on the same mountain with him. They're on one side of the mountain. David and his men are on the other side. You can only imagine the pressure. Uh, you're, you're thinking, okay, we're going to have the conflict and the, and the showdown final battle. It's probably going to happen any minute. And they are both like in rotation. Uh, so this was a very, very dangerous time. Verse 26 of 1 Samuel 23. Then Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side of the mountain. So David made haste to get away from Saul. For Saul and his men were encircling David and his men to take them. But a messenger came to Saul, saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. Therefore Saul returned from pursuing David and went against the Philistines. So they called that place the Rock of Escape. Then David went up from there and dwelt in strongholds at En Gedi. And of course we have been to En Gedi on our tours and a beautiful place to camp at, but it's not a great place that you would want to hang out. Why? It, it's rugged. It, it's desert. It, it's, um, you, you know, really, whether it's the cave of Adullam or, or, you know, the caves there at En Gedi. And, you know, as you look at those caves today, you, you can't help but think, wow, I, I wonder which one David stayed in. Well, the thing is, a cave, no matter how nice it is, it's still a cave. It's not a house. <laughs> it's not a comfortable bed. In the caves, you may get some shelter from the rain, but you've got the creepy crawlies, and you never know what may crawl over you while you're laying down. Uh, scorpions, spiders, centipedes, all of those things that are in the desert, all of those things that go along with being in a cave. And so, you know, David has, he has two wives with him, and he's probably just thinking, when is this going to end? You know, a guy can put up with a lot of things. A guy can camp out and uh, live around the campfire, and, uh, and do certain things that are more rugged uh, because of his nature. But when, a, when, you're, when the ladies also have to 
be drugged through all of this. This is difficult. There, there are no nail salons. There, there, <laughs> there, there are no grocery stores. And you're being hunted by an army that literally wants to kill you and all the women and all the children. Saul was merciless. He had already displayed this through acts of atrocity. So this continues, and it's not ending. And, you know, as far as David knows, uh, he doesn't know when it's going to end. So this, you have to be careful. Discouragement can set in. The Lord knows that your end may be in 30 days. But you know what? You have to guard yourself from discouragement because if you get discouraged, it's easier to make a, a wrong decision with a major choice. There's some things we can make a wrong choice on uh, that are very inconsequential. You know, you may, you may have chosen the wrong size uh, shirt. You may have made the, the, the choice to put your socks on backwards. The right sock went on the left foot and vice versa. Th those things, no big deal. But there's other choices you can make that if you get into discouragement, uh, you may realize, uh-oh, I just did something and now you can't back out of it. So you have to be careful and guard your heart against discouragement. It can really drain your energy. So you want to stay full of the joy of the Lord. That doesn't mean that if, you know, there's something that, that is deserving of, you know, the, the, of tears or sorrow, that, that can't, there can't be expression for that. But I'm talking about normal everyday living when you're maybe in an extended type David situation, you can't get into discouragement. It's not going to help you. You're just going to have to keep on going, get up, keep praising the Lord, and know that eventually God is going to bring this thing to an end. David went on to have two times where he was allowed supernaturally by God to stand right next to Saul. One time David and his men were hiding in a cave, and Saul had to use the restroom. Now Saul's out on the hunting party. Who are they hunting for? David and his men. They want to kill all of them. So Saul uh, tells his, you know, his commanders, I've got, to, I've got to go to the bathroom. I'll go over here into this cave so I can relieve myself. He, and he didn't know that David and his men were actually hiding in that cave. So there was an opportunity that David could have killed Saul. But he said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it this way. I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. And al although this guy is really wrong in what he's doing, he's still the king. And this, this is wrong. Uh, you know, let me, let me say this. I don't believe in governmental overthrows. I don't believe in coups. I, I don't believe in um, trying to overthrow the government just because you don't agree. If you don't agree, I, I believe that you should leave. Jesus said, when you are persecuted, flee. He didn't say, you know, you, you know just start shooting everybody. He said, flee. And that's what happened with the you know, the people in England, the, the, those that were being persecuted for their faith, uh, they just basically said, look, uh, obviously the, the religious culture here is not going to change. As long as we're here, we're going to be persecuted. We're going to be killed. We're going to be martyred for our faith. So we can either just all die or we can leave. So they, they left and they, they were seeking religious freedom, which is why uh, so many of them came to America. So, uh, you know, you see some of these war-torn countries uh, sadly enough, in some parts of Africa, where some of these nations, it has been nothing but one governmental overthrow after another. And so what, what uh, one revolutionary group will do is they'll say, well, the leaders are all corrupt. So we're, we're going to overthrow the leadership, and we'll become the new leadership, and I'll be the new president. 
And so they overthrow them. And then you know what? They're just as corrupt as the former leadership <laughs> or worse. And it just happens over and over and over. Now what happens? Now you, you have no stability. Now your, your currency is completely worthless if you even have a currency. And it's literally every man for himself. And it's a lawless place, a very dangerous place to be. So, you know, I, I think we always need to honor uh, leadership, even if we don't agree with it. Uh, we, have to, we have to let things be done the right way. And David said, I'm not going to kill Saul. This is not the way to do this. And you know what? He was right. It was not the, the way to do it. Because if he would have killed Saul, well, then later on, somebody's going to rise up and say, I'm justified in killing David. So you, you have to just, you have to stop and say, look, we're going to get there, but we're going to get there the right way. Now, after uh, Saul relieves himself and then eventually leaves the cave, uh, David, standing a far distance off with his men, says, Hey, Saul, just want to let you know your life was in my hands. And so you think I'm this awful person? Well, if I'm so awful, how come I didn't kill you? And he gives a nice speech basically explaining to Saul, Hey, I, I, I'm, I'm innocent. Please leave me alone. Saul says, Oh, I'm so sorry. It'll never happen again. And he leaves. <laughs> and then just maybe a few days later, he's right back in the hunt again. And he's all agitated all demonically worked up again, and now he's back after David. And it happens again, where it's, he's getting very close to, to David. David has spies. The spies are able to, to see that the army of Saul is coming. Spies go back and tell David, hey, be on your toes. He's closing in. But you know what? Nighttime fell, and Saul needed to take a nap, get some sleep. Abner, his trusted uh, top general and bodyguard, is sleeping next to him. And Saul has his spear right next to his head with the, with the sharp point stuck into the ground. And they all fall into a deep sleep. And David walks into the camp. Can you imagine how wild this is? I tell you what, David knew the spirit of faith. He knew what it was to operate in what we would call the supernatural gift of faith, which is actually a special type of faith that emboldens you to do uh, really almost wild, crazy things. Maybe not almost that uh, they are wild, crazy things. And so he, he finds one friend who will walk into Saul's camp with him. They walk in there at night, and the whole army's laying there asleep. Saul's laying there asleep, and it says God put them into a deep sleep. And so David and his men walk right up to Saul, and they have our conversation together. David's assistant says, kill him. This is your opportunity. And David says, oh, no. And he begins to give a, 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 another speech of why this is not right. And there they all, all you know, are. They're sleeping right at David's feet. I'm, I'd be thinking, this is probably not the good time for a theological discourse. But David is so comfortable in the spirit that he gives another discourse about why it's wrong to kill God's anointed. This is not the right thing to do. Uh, God will take care of him, and he's either going to die in battle, or something's going to happen to him where I won't have to be responsible uh, for jumping in here and making this happen. So they, uh, they take the spear, they take the water bottle, and they, they exit the camp, get a long distance off, and David shouts from the top of a hill, Hey, Abner! He wakes up Abner, Hey, uh, you're not a very good guard. You really deserve to die for what you did. You allowed the king to be completely unprotected. Well, Saul recognizes David's voice and says, David, is that you, my son? He says, yep, it's me. Uh, you're out here trying to kill me again with no cause. I would really like for you to stop doing that. 
And Saul, once again, very apologetically, Oh, David, I'm so sorry. You're right. I'm wrong. Here I am trying to kill you. You've never done anything wrong to me. It's just me. I've got all these problems. Sorry about it, David. I tell you what, this time for sure, I'm going to leave you alone. <laughs> and he leaves. And David's thinking, Okay, I've heard that one before. I've heard that one before. So this keeps on going. Keeps on going. And so David... David, with the discouragement that he has been facing, now makes a critical wrong move. I want, to, I want to talk about it. I believe the reason he did this was because he got discouraged. But this is, this is what I want to talk to you about for a moment, about why you don't need to be discouraged, even if you find yourself in these types of situations. Number one, remember, David, although he's going through this, he's bulletproof, right? I mean... He, he's, he's, he's like invincible. Now, he knows he's, he can't abuse that. He can't tempt God. He has to do what he can do to get away and flee and hide and, and all of that. But he is, he's escaping over and over and over again. So what does that mean? Well, it clearly means God's with him. God is with David. David's camp is getting stronger. He's having more people defect from Saul and come over to him. And he's really getting some momentum and so, you know, everybody is healthy. Things are working out uh, good. Yes, we, we uh, have this ongoing dilemma of being tracked and hunted and stuff like that. But hey, at the same time, it's not like they've got GPS and night goggles. You know, we'll just keep on moving. And, you know, God's with us. We keep getting out of these situations over and over again. So eventually, Saul's going to run out of steam. This whole thing's going to be a wrap. And we're going to get on with the plan of God. But David didn't see it like that. He just got discouraged. And um, you have to be careful if you're in a trial or, sit, or something where the door has not yet opened that you don't get discouraged and just take matters into your own hands. If you do that, if you do that, you could, um, you could, you could do something that you, you would really regret. And I think that's what we see David do in, uh, let's go to uh, chapter 27. Praise the Lord. Chapter 27, verse 1, And David said in his heart, Now I shall perish some day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. Well, nothing better? Nothing better to do than to go to the Philistines? Well, David, now, he needed somebody to counsel him at this point. Because why? He's discouraged. He needed an encourager. He needed, some, he needed somebody to come along and give him a prophetic word. He needed somebody to build him up. Even leaders need encouragement. But uh, it, it, it appears that he's at a point where he's already made up his mind. He says, There's nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines, and Saul will despair of me to seek me anymore in any part of Israel, so I shall escape out of his hand. Then David arose and went over with the 600 men who were with him to Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. Almost unbelievable that he goes to, not just to the Philistines, but he actually goes to the hometown of Goliath, the same Goliath that he killed earlier, years earlier, when he was just being raised up by the Lord. Absolutely amazing. And so now he's there living in Gath. He actually stays there one year and four months, just on the outskirts of the city, but also kind of on the outskirts of the border of Israel. 
So he's a little bit in no man's land, but technically he's in the land of the Philistines. And it is true that when Saul heard that he went to the Philistines, you know, Saul, he had to pull back because he can't really just come into another country's territory or now he's going to have an all-out war with the Philistines and he doesn't want that. He just really wants David dead. So, you know what? Um, that was not a good move on David's part. And it offered him a temporary reprieve, but I believe it really put him for one year and four months out of the will of God. So now he's living in a place where he has to lie on an ongoing basis about what he's doing. If the king is checking up on him, hey, David, where'd you make your raid at today? What Philistine tribal area did you hit today? Oh, yeah, I hit them over here in the southern area, and I really hit them hard. Well, well the, the king of the Philistines is thinking, whew, well, boy, David must be really hated by the Israelites now. He's, he's actually attacking his own people. <laughs> They'll never accept him back. He'll be my servant forever. Well, David wasn't doing that. He's lying. He's living a whole life of lying and lies and, and deception. And uh, now David's got to get really brutal because when he goes attacks these cities, which are some of the border neighboring pagan cities, he's got to not only kill all the men, he's got to kill all the women. He can't have anybody tell on him or be an eyewitness come back and say, David did this. So very, very difficult situation he's in. Um, I don't think it was a good move, but I think when people get into discouragement, you can be susceptible to just wanting to quit and say, you know what, this is too much. I'm just going to take this. I'm just going to marry this person. I was really trusting God for a spirit-filled spouse. Obviously, God's not answering my prayer. I'm just going to marry this person. I don't even care if they're a believer or not. It doesn't even matter what, what they believe. And so you go do something and you, you don't realize you're really, really close to popping out of the end of this thing. But you know what? Don't, don't make a bad decision. Stay faithful to the Lord. Stay in there. The end results will be worth it. You do not need to go to hang out with the Philistines. You do not need to go to Gath. <laughs> not a good thing to do. Um, so I, I, I think it was a really bad move on David's part. I think it caused him to lie. I think it caused him to be much more involved in bloodshed than he, what he wanted to be. And so it, it just was not a good place for him. Now, I want to go a little bit further. Let's go to chapter 30. I want to give you another reason why, with discouragement, you don't want to just give in to this. You want to stay up. I know it can be a challenge, but that's what faith is about. You want to stay in faith. You want to stay up. You want to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And you want to keep your eyes on the Lord, keep your eyes on His promises, keep praising Him, and keep trusting Him. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. Now, it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag. Now, Ziklag was a city that the Philistine king gave to David. So, it wasn't good for David to be amongst the Philistines. But you know what? It wasn't good for the king to allow David to have come because the king gave David that city. And when he did that, they, the Philistines never held it ever again. It always, from then on, belonged to a king of Judah after that. So bad move on the half of David, bad move on the half of the king of the Philistines. By the way, there were five Philistine kings, and this was just one of those kings that David was submitted to. They, they were, they all, they all kind of, all five ruled over the whole nation, but you had allotments or, or tribal areas that, you know, this king would rule over 20%, the other king over the other 20%. So 
it was governed by a board of five, five kings. So David was just submitted to that one king. Now let's jump back to Ziklag. And so what happened, it says that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire. At this time, this is where David had been staying for almost the last year and a half. And they had taken captive, uh, the Amalekites did, the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. So David and the people who were with him, watch this, now watch this, be careful here. So David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Um, I know this is emotional. I, you know, I can't even imagine what that must be like. Uh, you think, uh, here's David and his men. They think they're, going about, they're about to ride into battle with the Philistine kings. They're told by the Philistine kings, no, you can't go. We don't trust you. So David's like, okay, well, you know, whatever. So he and his men come back to their little home base in Ziklag. And when they ride back, the whole town's burnt, and all of their wives and children are gone. And so, you know, I can't, I can't say that, um, you know, there's not going to be a severe emotional strain here. But you, you cannot melt down. You cannot fall apart. Why? Because if you give into a power drain, you're not going to be ready uh, for the comeback. There's going to be a comeback. You're going to need power for that. So you don't, you don't have this luxury. These are all things that God's trying to teach David. You do not have this luxury of having these types of meltdowns, emotional meltdowns. You've got to hold yourself together. It doesn't mean you can't express emotion, but you have got to be a leader. And it says, it says they lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Now, let's continue on in verse, verse 10. David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind, who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Bezor. Okay, so they're pursuing the Amalekites. They're going to actually catch up eventually, and they're going to take everything back, and they're going to get a huge plunder and spoil. But here you see that out of the 600, 200 were so weary that they could not cross the brook Bezor, so they had to stay, they had to stay behind. How come they could not cross the brook Bezor? They spent all of their energy weeping earlier. They had no idea, hey, you're about to have a major comeback. You're going to need all of your energy and strength because we're about to plunder and spoil the enemy. This apparent defeat is about to be a turn into a life-marking, unforgettable comeback where we're going, to, we're going to take everything back and we're going to plunder all the extra that they've got. But they didn't know that, so they're over here crying, expending all of their energy, and it's a big emotional drain. Watch out for discouragement. It will drain and sap your energy and strength, and then when you get that call, then when you get that email and you have to be there the next day, Oh, or, or within two hours, suddenly you're trying to pull yourself together. But you have, if you drop so low, you, you've got to pull that. You've got to pull back up. And so, my friends, you need to be up. You need to stay up in faith. Praise God. I'm not saying there's not a trial, and I'm not saying that it uh, it might not even be something that's an extended version. Okay, David was well aware of what that was like. But just keep on going because God's going to get you to the end. What was the end for David? Crowning as king over all of the nation of Israel there at Hebron and eventually even going on to Jerusalem. 
establishing that as the eternal capital of the nation of Israel. But, you know, uh, he's about to pop out on the other side. These are some of the last trials he's going to go through before the major shift happens. Within just a few days, Saul's going to be dead. And Saul and all of his sons are going to be killed. They're all going to die and fall in battle. And so Israel's going to be without a king. And the light's going to come on, and the people are going to say, Hey, that David guy, I'll tell you what, yeah, let's, let's make him the king. <laughs> Guess what? No more running around in the wilderness. No more sleeping in caves. You know, no more roughing it. Uh, you know, no more bathing in the, in the creek. You, you, can finally, you can finally have some comfort. You can finally relax. Oh, we know that David was a man of war. He's going to have more battles, but it's all from a different perspective. It's all going to change dramatically for him. He's going to really come into the blessing of the Lord. So don't despise these developmental times. Don't despise these times where you think, God, when's it going to be over? Just keep going. Stay strong in faith because the right door is going to open, and God is certainly, truly going to bless you. So be encouraged and do all that you can to stay in the joy of the Lord. Praise God. Let's take communion today. I want to ask you to grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. Heavenly Father, we pray over it. We bless it. We thank you this is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. And Father, as we receive the body of Jesus today, we just ask you for endurance. We thank you for patience. Father, we thank you for even what's described in your word as long-suffering, which is an ability to endure something long that can be unpleasant. So Father, we just thank you. We know that you are doing a great work of development and you are building up the church to bring the glory back to, to manifest the glory through. And we just, we just thank you, Father God, for all of the traits, qualities, and characteristics of Christ manifested in our lives. We praise you, O God. We praise you through all of life's situations. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, Father, by faith we receive the body of Jesus and we thank you, Father, for our brothers and sisters in the Lord, as together we are the body of Christ. And we receive the body of Jesus, Father, now in His name. Amen. Let's receive. I know that you may want to feel like just crying and, and just saying, Lord, what's the use of trying? It seems to work for others. Lord, it works for Pastor Stephen. Why does it work for me? <laughs> but you know what? I'm very, very familiar with trials. I'm very, I'm very familiar with the extended versions, but one thing I've discovered is that eventually they all come to an end, and then you go into the next blessing that God has for you. Hallelujah. So don't, don't let yourself fall apart. Keep the faith. Don't have these big crying, weeping, uh, you know, meltdowns and stuff like that. It doesn't do any good. It doesn't do any good. It doesn't change anything. Just get up. Keep on going. L let me say this. You're, again, you're going to need that energy. You're going to need that strength for the right thing, for the right response, to spoil the enemy. Praise God. So keep your faith high. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We receive it by faith. We live by faith. We walk by faith. And we thank you, Father God. We thank you in Jesus' name. It's our faith in Christ in you that overcomes the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's drink. Hallelujah. You're going to come into a new level of freedom, a new level of expression. You're going to have a lot more freedom. You just got to keep on going. David came into a place where he had a lot more uh, freedom and things that he could do, and uh, God's taking you into that arena as well. 
Look for it. It's going to open up. In the meantime, keep praising Him. Glory to God. And stay up, stay happy, and lift others up too along the path. Father, I bless your people today in Jesus' name. We thank you that we are encouragers, encouraging one another, especially as we see that day approaching of the Lord's soon return. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back real soon. Bye-bye. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.